Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Rich Eisen Show. So Rich is one of a kind. You know, I love Rich. I think he's the best man for the job. You know, he's a, he's a leader of men, and that's, that's all you can ask for. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. There's no blueprint for this. There's no handbook that they give you for the obstacles that you occur. Earlier on the show, 49ers offensive tackle Trent Williams. Comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. Still to come. Famed journalist Carl Bernstein. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Yes, hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. The grab bag continues. Hour one, Trent Williams of the 49ers. Hour two, Sebastian Maniscalco in studio. Our sides are still hurting from that. <laughs> and then coming up in 20 minutes' time, the author of Chasing History, A Kid in the Newsroom, Carl Bernstein, is going to join us here on the program. Um, so there you go. Um, and... Um, and so, in advance of Carl um, uh, appearing on this program, Mike Del Tufo is left in search of Deep Throat, even though he's already been revealed. Um, so, Mike has left because he's doing that thing for some place he has to go now. And Jason Feller, hey, there you go, man. We went to the bullpen. We went to the pen, we the Rivera. The he's closing it up. Let's go. There you go. See what happens uh, when you make fun of Del Tufo, what, or and his grill, yeah. as, uh, and his teeth. I didn't know he had fake teeth. Didn't? No. Uh, well, uh, that's something we talked about. Sebastian Maniscalco <laughs> called it out all the way from here. Yeah, it was like 25 feet away. Just like, bam. Oh, you also called him a big bone troll. No, that's true. That's what happened. You call him that in hour two, you get me hour three. There you go. So. <laughs> Did you call him a big bone troll? No, he called himself that. He called oh, himself oh, that. I, yeah. I, I, I was think listening that on the radio. Like you, so. you know, the, the thing is, there's going to be somebody <laughs> at home that's really going to think Mike left for some weird reason. <laughs> that's what happened. He's, he's mad. No, just walked no, out. no. He's got to do that thing for that place, got, for that something. He's got to go see a man about a mule. So... <laughs> All eyes right now. Tom Brady is talking uh, right now, uh, top of hour number three. Oh. Uh, he has uh, just had his press conference for the week. Um, Ryan Jensen and Tristan Wirfs didn't practice yesterday. It was a walkthrough anyway. Right. So they, they But Arians threw out there that uh, they wouldn't have practiced had there been a full practice like today is. And all eyes peeled on what's going on over there because, you know, no Werfs, no Jensen. And who could be in that gap, if you will, right across from him is Aaron Donald. Oof. The number one A-plus, with all due respect to anybody else, game wrecker in the NFL. Currently, in 2021, 2022, right now, if you named a defensive player, with all due respect to T.J. Watt, who could be the defensive player of the year and deserves it, 
Miles Garrett, who had that moniker and running of before he got hurt towards the end of his season. He's all pro anyway. Max Crosby was on the show on Tuesday, second team all pro. Robert Quinn, mm-hmm. another second team all pro guy uh, for the um, uh, Chicago Bears. Cam Hayward, who is a first team all pro right next to Aaron Donald in that same position in the middle of the defensive line. Aaron Donald's coming to town. And he's got Von Miller now and Leonard Floyd. These are the guys who are coming. These are the guys who are coming. And these are the guys who could absolutely place pressure on the weakest link that normally wouldn't be the weakest link if they were healthy. That said, Bruce Arians, in a conference call with Los Angeles reporters on Wednesday, asked if these injuries with Aaron Donald and Von Miller coming to town made him worried. Here's the quote. I'd be worried if they were healthy, he said of his offensive line. If they're not healthy, I'm hellaciously worried, is the quote from Bruce Arians. And I don't blame him. Yeah, As, as you know, I have stuck to my Buccaneers cannons all year long. Last year, preseason, I said the Bucs are going to win the championship because Brady was going to come. And I saw that storyline from a long way away that he's going to win in his first non-Patriot season, and sure enough, Thanksgiving rolls around. I get a mulligan afforded to me on NFL game day morning, and I took it because that was the weekend where the Chiefs were coming to town, and the Bucks looked like a 500 team because they were right around that. And when they got boat raced in the first quarter of that game, I think Tyreek Hill had 200 yards receiving in the first quarter of the game, and I'm like, I did made the right decision. And then had an opportunity with them making the wild card uh, round of the playoffs. Had an opportunity to get back on them, and I stayed off them, and I chose the Packers instead. And I said to you, Chris, when I came in here after the Super Bowl, what did I tell you? I said, don't let me do it again, right? Never again. (laughs) Never again will you allow me. So like your friends. Like I handed you the car keys because I was drunk on on trying to uh, listen to my inner, you know, X's and O's as opposed to believing the hearts and minds of my eyes and my heart, right? (laughs) Clear eyes. And so... It's like you never go broke taking profits, but you always go broke betting against Tom Brady. And I told you, don't let me do it again. And I chose the Bucs going into the season this year, and I stuck to my cannons Thanksgiving and leading into the playoffs. And now the fact that these two guys right in the middle, exactly where you want to get pressure on Brady right up the middle, are hurt. And Donald is coming in, and Les Snead added Von Miller to go with Leonard Floyd, and we saw what they just did to Arizona. I am genuinely, hellaciously worried for my pick. But that is TB12, man. That is TB12. And Leonard Floyd has not been, I mean, Leonard Fournette has not been activated off the IR yet either. Oh, my gosh. So... I don't know. I'm going to be staring at that injury report over the next two days. That's for damn sure. That game is on NBC, and I'll let you know that thing is going to be happening right in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday, and you can watch it on NBC and Peacock. Sunday, 2 Eastern time, Rams and Buccaneers, the NFL divisional round. Yep, and that's, I, I, this is not a bad choice on the screen. Normally you put the two quarterbacks on the screen, and I know Matthew Stafford just won his first career playoff game, and I know it's going to be a fun game with the two of them slinging it around, but it really is 99, and can he get to 12? That's the answer. 
to whether the Bucks can continue on in their title defense or the Los Angeles Rams move on. And they will know going on to uh, NBC and Peacock on that day whether that game's for the NFC Championship game and their house. Because if the 49ers beat the Packers the night before, that game is for the right to host the NFC Championship game. Keep that in mind. Carl Bernstein's coming up. What's on the opposite end of Carl Bernstein? First take. I'm on that on Friday. Okay. Can't wait. I love Stephen A. Smith. I have nothing but affection and admiration and love. He is all that and the biscuit. He is somebody who makes me laugh, makes me think, makes me on occasion um, outraged just like you. But that's what he does, and he is awesome, and I can't tell you how delighted I was that I was invited to appear on First Take, especially since you know I've got worldwide leader in sports roots. But I am not as versed. You know, I don't like being made to just forced to have choices, you know, either or. There's no gray area. There's not much nuance. It's either either you are this or you are that. It's called first take for a reason. Not like on second thought, I'll take my third take because I thought about my first and second. No, it's your first take right off the top of your dome. Boom. What do you think immediately? Go. First take. First take. You don't get a second take. And it's on first thing in the morning. So I, oh, is that what it is? That works Oh, out it's too. the first take <laughs> of the day. Right. Yeah, that's part of it. Got it. That's why it's called first take? I think so. Well, I mean, it's like a dual meeting. I don't know. It's not like, like there's no one has a take before them? Well, no. I mean, they're on it like, you know. No, I understand. It's early. Especially on the West Coast. All right. Well, at any rate, when the, the, the request came in, it had me at hello. Stephen A knows I'm, I'm, I'm game, and I just love it. I, I can't wait to. Do I have to joust with him verbally, or we just can have a conversation, or what is You're it? You're definitely not going to have a conversation. I, I, I would drink no wine tonight. Oh, so I'm, I, you know, well, a lot of tea and lemon and honey. Oh, otherwise you I could the, cramp up. Yeah, you gotta have the pipes really, really okay. uh, loose, limber. Okay, because you're supposed to scream. You're supposed to be animated. Like, did you see him? I've yet? seen the show. You know, with Irv this week no, and I like Olofsky. You, you gotta and I really get into it. I love. I just what he did to Irv this week was virtuoso. I mean, literally, Stephen A. painted a masterpiece on Monday. A masterpiece. It should be hung in the museum wherever a museum of first take. Programs can be hung. You know how it's like a thing on, on Twitter and Instagram yes. uh, to be like, oh, hang it in the Louvre when, when, when there's a yes, cool correct. photo. Yes. Or something. Mm-hmm. Huh? We need yes. a sports museum equivalent to the Louvre. Let's create it in the corner of our, of our set. Let's do it. Like instead of hanging in the Louvre, hang it in the blank. Okay. So you have come up with pop. You're, you, you're going to prep me here on. We have five topics. Okay, very good. We have five topics. Okay, I don't know what music we play. Are they They're all first take ish? Okay, they, it's all it's all about this weekend's football. Game. Okay, here we. Oh, it's football. You're, okay, you're yeah. coming yeah. on to talk football. Yes, that was part of the. You're coming on to talk yes. football with Stephen. They're not having me talk about the possible baseball lockout lasting in the season. No, that's dumb. Nobody. We're not cares. talking about you know the, strictly football. They're not Stri- talking about the fact that. Uh, that the Joker, or no, that Embiid scored 50 against yeah, my no, fantasy no, team and I'm still leading no against deal. TJ. We're oh, not wow. talking about that. We're not talking about that. Took a stray right there, TJ. I What's mean, going this guy, on? This, I want you this to guy does so, that a lot, Chris. You I know? want you to get so heated okay. that Molly has to interject. <laughs> yeah. 
and then at the end just be like and we'll leave it there and then go and to we'll break. leave it there you know what i mean like you guys are just screaming at each other producer in her ear get to break get to, and then okay. she's just like we gotta leave it there we gotta leave it there okay that's what i want tomorrow that's a success that is a successful segment okay i'll play the role of the moderator who jumps in here with you guys <laughs> T.J. Kiram, <laughs> there you go. Well, okay. Am I arguing against Rich? I'm just no, proposing. No, 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 no. I'm the Molly. Just, I'm get the me ready. You got to prep him fully, Chris. Like if you don't like his answer, here we go. All right, here we go. First up, shaky quarterback you trust most <laughs> on the road, Jimmy G or Matthew Stafford? Go. Um, I trust Matthew Stafford more on the road. Wrong. What do you think? <laughs> well, that's what Stephen A would do. No. He would just like, no, I trust Stafford. What are you talking about, Rich? Because Matthew. St- no. no <laughs> Wait a minute. Is Sajak doing first take tomorrow? You never know, I guess. No, I'll take Stafford because Matthew Stafford has, in my mind, a better sense of what it's going to take to win this thing and doesn't what? throw the interceptions like we've seen from Jimmy G. Jimmy G has been to a Super Bowl, Rich. Okay. Okay. Got it. Noted. You know what I mean? I'm, Noted. I'm just trying to get you Damn ready. It. Damn it. This is like your combine. Damn it. I don't. I don't. Okay. I got to get tougher. All right. Gosh. What's next? All right. I got to take notes here. More Super Bowl wins in the next five years. They're <laughs> facing off Sunday night, Capper. Yes. Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes. More Super Bowls in the next. Wins in the next five years. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick Mahomes is a guy that's been to three straight Super Bowls. I think they're making the Super Bowl again this year. I predicted it prior to the season. And as a matter of fact, I think they're going to keep going. And Andy Reid is going to tie Marv Levy for most consecutive Super Bowl appearances in a row. Wow. And if they make the Super Bowl this year, Marv Levy, he actually becomes the first coach to take a, a team to four straight Super Bowls. Um, and, and four straight uh, championship games in two separate conferences. Did I get that stat right? Since yeah, what I'm saying, it, it doesn't help to bring statistics. Work to this it, out right? for tomorrow. Yeah, get this. Get, oh, the, get your facts no. out of here. Facts don't seem to count. I need my third take. The facts count. <laughs> that wasn't bad though. That okay. was good. That was right, a good take. Right. Okay, here we go. Stepping away from the quarterbacks, wide receiver to make the bigger impact this weekend. Devontae Adams. Debo Samuel. Oh, oh I'm going to take Devontae Adams because the way that he and, and Aaron Rodgers have been playing lately, I have not seen. Have you seen what Debo did against the Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> did you see that, Rich Eisen? The way that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers have been playing with each other, I have not seen a quarterback and a wide receiver hooked up quite like this in a sixth sense in my 18 years of doing this for the NFL Network after ESPN let me go. (laughs) I will talk to Jimmy Pataro. Jimmy wasn't around. (laughs) What else? Okay. More important for them to have a big game for their team to win. Who's more important for victory on Saturday, because the first okay. Derrick Henry coming back. Yes, Jamar Chase. Oh, it's Derrick Henry, without a doubt. Did you see all the wins they had without <laughs> Derrick Henry? Oh, it's Derrick Henry, without a doubt. Rich Jamar Chase is the no, new Randy Stephen Moss. A. Stephen A. Brockman. <laughs> the call that there are more. Point. There are there are more <laughs> options in my estimation for. They got Cincinnati. the one seed without Joe Derrick Henry. Nixon, you know Boyd. Higgins, Higgins, 
We haven't seen anything from Julio Jones in Tennessee in the same way that we saw it in Atlanta. They haven't gotten the Julio Jones that we all thought would be the difference maker. So they need Derrick Henry to come back and control this game in order to make sure Joe Burrow doesn't go crazy. Jamar Chase, you know, is somebody who's a good, nice cherry on top, but they could win this game without Jamar Chase. I don't think Tennessee could win this game without Derrick Henry. That's my first take. How? <laughs> Last one. You need one more? Last one. We need one more. I think, right. one more. I think, we, I think we need one more. We need one more? On. Jay, right. do we need one more? By the way, this is very good. You should produce for first take if you're. Well, do I this. helped them with these too. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 this is a group effort. Wow. I like it. TJ, good job, you too, TJ. Yes. Okay, what else? You got last one? Last one. I can't say Carl Bernstein, we were late because I'm prepping for hey, first last take. Last one, last yeah, one. You need one more? All right, we'll get one more. Very good. More likely to return to their team, to stay, come back in 2022 with their current team. Yes. If they lose this weekend. Oh, boy. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. They both lose. Who's more likely to come back? Tom Brady. I didn't start. He's 45 years old. No, I understand that. <laughs> Tom Brady's under contract, and so is Aaron Rodgers, and it's entirely possible if Aaron Rodgers loses this weekend in the manner in which he also lost last year. You know? I think that it's absolutely Brady's coming back, win or lose. If the Packers do not win, and they are one and done after all this, I have no idea. I would love to live rent-free inside of Aaron Rodgers' head. I have no idea what he's thinking. If they What's get that? blown up by the 49ers, does he just go full Antonio Brown and like take, his, take his shirt off and, and just like do jumping jacks? There, and you there you go. And then all of a sudden, why is Jordan Love finishing this game? Well I done. Think, I think you're ready. Or, or could be my, my answer could be how about they both come back? I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, re- I, re- I reject. I reject the concept. Terrible take. Don't yeah, do that. Not, not or you just show. got shown up by the host. Thank you so much. Don't do that. That'll be at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Neon first take. I'm very much looking forward to that. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back here. (laughs) Carl Bernstein on this program, folks. This is uh, an OG, a goat of journalism. That's a fact. Carl Bernstein, when we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Hi, everybody. Carl Bernstein's coming on the program. What's the first question? Um, yeah, I, I, should I ask him? Should we ask him who, who he likes? Like who comes which, back? Which quarterback on the road do you trust more? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Just looking up here. 
Let's see if O'Brien is in here. Larry O'Brien. It's all about the Larry. We, do you have the it's all about the Larry O'B drop? Oh, boy. It's Maybe. all about <laughs> the Larry, Larry O'B. There's no way. Like, what could that possibly be labeled? Larry O'B. Oh, you, that's going to take me a second. No, Balmer. <laughs> you look up Balmer. And don't, and don't, it should be spelled B-A-L-M-E-R. Or he B-O-M-B-E-R. Should, he should be, he should definitely have it misspelled. <laughs> we got Larry the Cable Guy. We got, oh boy. Larry the Cable Guy. No, What's no, that? look up, look up Balmer. Steve Balmer was the one who screamed it's all, all about. Right. <laughs> see, see how this goes. Look. Oops. Nope, there you go. Be careful. It's all From about. From now on, there it is. it's all about the Larry O.B. What, and what's that labeled? What's it labeled? Audio drop, Balmer. I told you. Appropriately labeled. So now that was after the Kawhi comes with, um, right? Uh, Paul, when Paul George and Kawhi came together to mm-hmm. the Clippers, Steve Ballmer steps, and that was that that whole press conference, right, where he went nutty. Is that when he said that? I, I think it was. I think, yeah, I think it was part of that. I mean, I remember him for, saying it, but I, so hit it one more time. It was the whole welcome. From now on, it's so all about, about the Larry O.B. The Larry O.B., which also, is he's a, no the, the reference to the Larry, the Lawrence F. O'Brien Trophy, and and um, the former commissioner of the NBA. Not many guests come on the Rich Eisen show um, and know that uh, there's a there's a Watergate history involved as well. Mm. See, this is not just your. This is what take is this? It's not the first take. It's that's no, like the twentieth oh, take, yeah, right? It's way down. Way S- down similar the label here. Get it done. Very good. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it's a different. I've never Larry. heard that one. There's an O'Brien. There's an O'Brien, and there's the cable guy. I'm going to use this moving forward. Get her done! <laughs> Larry, Larry the Cable Guy, big in our house, because as you know, Rich. He's made her. That's what, well, that's why get her done. Her. When I had I him do it. that, I did that for, for have him do that yeah. for my child, for yeah, my kids. Ah, you said he's the mayor? No, he, he made her. He's oh, the tow truck. Tow mater. Gotcha. Tow mater. Yeah, the tow truck named Mater, because yeah. it's a tow mater. Tow mater. What cartoon is this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is Cars, Cars, the movie. Cars. Cars. Guys, guys. <laughs> Guys, Carl Bernstein's about to join us. Can we at least clean up our desks figuratively? Straighten please. Out a little bit. My gosh. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. When I heard that this uh, man was uh, uh, available to chat because he's got his uh, memoir out, I said, absolutely. Uh, a legend in the world of journalism. And at this point is when I, I take my, uh, my graduate degree from the Medill School of Journalism of Northwestern. I take that out and I say, this is what I've got going on for my bona fides to interview this man. Uh, Chasing History, a kid in the newsroom where all books are sold. Carl Bernstein here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, sir? I'm good. It's good to be with you. You were talking there about Larry O'Brien. I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from being the commissioner. That's a dick. Yeah. Uh, he was, during, at the time of the Watergate break-in, he was the chairman of the Democratic National Committee. And they were, the burglars were trying to find out things that Larry O'Brien knew. And that had nothing to do with Wilt Chamberlain at the time or anything it, like that, right, not. Carl? In fact, uh, no. And, and the burglars were short. 
So, um, honestly, I, I bring that up all the time, and people can't believe that there is a Watergate connection to the to the trophy that the NBA champions lift every single year. But so, did you did you ever interview the uh, Larry O'Brien when he was the DNC? Did you ever knock on his door when you and uh, yeah, Woodward? Yeah, I, I I talked to him a, a good number of times, uh, both in his capacity as chairman of the, of the Democratic National Committee and as the intended. Person who who the burglars wanted to hear what he was saying, and as well as other people, but he was one of the objects of of the burglary. But the, the other thing, I'm just thinking about about being on on this show and, and about you know the book called Chasing History: A Kid in the Newsroom. It's about growing up uh, and a, an apprenticeship in this great newsroom at the Washington Evening Star between 60 and 65. And and one of the things I got to do was to get to know the great, great sports writers of the day. Uh, Bob Addy, Shirley Povich, Red Smith. Uh, You know, it it, it was an amazing time of sports writing. Carl Bernstein here uh, on the on the Rich Eisen show. So, um, so this book does focuses on on you growing up. What 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 um, led you to the career that that you you wound up having, Carl? What about that? Well, I, I'm a second generation native Washingtonian, and uh, when I was a junior in high school, I had one foot in the classroom, one foot in the juvenile court, one one foot in the pool hall. It's three feet, but the one in the, the foot that was in the classroom was about two inches in. And my father rightly feared for my, my future. And he knew somebody at the Washington Evening Star, the great afternoon newspaper in Washington, the opposition paper to the Washington Post, and at that time a better paper than the Washington Post. And my father knew I had taken a journalism class in the 10th grade, and that I had some ability to write. I could pass essay exams. Uh, while failing everything else. And he got me an interview for a job as a copy boy. And, and I had never seen the inside of a newsroom. And when I went for the interview, the person who interviewed me, the production editor of the paper, took me into the newsroom. And I had never seen such a sight in my life. And to this day, it's probably the most stunning thing I've ever encountered. There was noise, people yelling copy clatter of typewriters. You could hear the rumble of the presses underneath. A copy boy came by with a wagon full of the fifth mm. edition of the newspaper that day, and, and the production editor handed me one of the, one copy, and it was still warm for the, from the presses. And watching this spectacle, this, it was as if these people were on the most urgent errands in the nation. I knew in that instant that I wanted to be a newspaper man, and though I was much younger than, than pretty much everybody there, the other copy boys were 20, 21, uh, I went to work there. I got hired because I had taken typing with the girls and could type 90 words a minute, uh, and I then got the greatest seat in the country at an amazing time in America and in the nation's capital. Carl Bernstein, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and the author of his new memoir, Chasing History, A Kid in the Newsroom. When did you realize the Watergate story was something different? When did you realize that, Carl? I think both Bob Woodward and myself realized that even the first day after the break-in, Bob was at the 
uh, courthouse covering the arraignment of the burglars, and one of them said he worked for the CIA, and Bob said, holy shit, as you can see that scene <laughs> right. in the movie of all the president's men were reading the book. Uh, meanwhile, I was in the office, and I started calling the homes uh, and wives of the Watergate burglars who were from Florida. Most of them were Cuban-Americans, and some of the wives started telling me about their husband's six uh, CIA connections. So initially, our feeling was that this might really, this break-in and burglary with five men arrested wearing rubber gloves and uh, business suits and sequential $100 bills in their pockets, that this might go to the CIA somehow, not to, to the Nixon White House. But within a few days, it became evident to us that somehow this pointed toward the Nixon White House and re-election committee. Well, at, at some point, I mean, people have obviously seen the film and have read the book, uh, but at, at some point, um, was there uh, a breaking point where, you know, where you felt that this could ruin your career, if not also break a story, that, that you were on thin ice on this yes. front? Yes, we made a mistake. And, you know, it, it, people ask all the time, were we afraid for our lives? And there, there were some moments when we got some threats that weren't quite so veiled. Uh, but really, what were we afraid of? We were afraid of making a mistake because the, the future of the paper, uh, if we made a bad mistake, that, that the paper itself could suffer grievously and maybe irretrievably because the White House had made our conduct, Woodward, myself, Ben Bradley, the great editor of the Washington Post, they made our conduct in Watergate the issue instead of the conduct of the president and his men. And we made a mistake. It turned out that it was a mistake of attribution. We had said that, that somebody had testified uh, a set of facts before the grand jury when in fact uh, the president had not testified to those facts before the grand jury. The facts that we reported were right, but that little sliver there about the grand jury was wrong. And on that day, uh, the, the uh, White House pounced on us once again because they, they realized that we had made a real mistake. The only one we made is, I think, in two years of covering the Watergate story. But we, we were afraid we were going to have to quit, uh, quit the paper. But quickly we found out what the mistake was, said in the paper what it was, that it was an error of attribution, not of substance, and indeed, it was about a secret fund that had paid for the bugging at Watergate and other undercover activities uh, by the, the Nixon White House. And uh, the substance of it was correct, and we moved on from there. If there was a cable network back in 1970, Carl, that would uh, be able to give out uh, Nixon talking points and why something like this was okay, do you think you would have been able to do your reporting and Nixon would be out? Do you think that would happen? Yeah, I think we would have been able to do the reporting. Look, I, I think this is what's interesting about about my book, Chasing History of uh, the Kid in the Newsroom, because everything I know about reporting, about journalism, I really learned that this apprenticeship that I had at, at the greatest afternoon paper in America, and the essence of what I learned is what you see in Watergate, what you see in all the president's men, the kind of reporting we did. You don't get the stories by sitting in the office. You go out, you knock on people's doors, you go to source after source after source, 
you try to, to nail down not just a set of disparate facts, but context. And context is, you know, Woodward and I use the phrase, uh, and we've used it for 50 years now, you know, we're the best of friends, we talk a couple times a week, and, and the phrase we started using was the best obtainable version of the truth. And it's a, it's a variation of what I had learned at the star, and that there we called it the the, co- the complexity of the truth. And, and this is not a simple business. The simple part is, is the exercise, is the perseverance, is the going nonstop to get the story. But, but the hard part uh, is, is really putting all together what it means. And, you know, there's a line in this book that I learned is covering civil rights because the Washington that I grew up in was a Jim Crow town. I went to segregated public schools, legally segregated in the capital of the United States. And a lot of my time at the Star bracketed the Civil War by exactly 100 years later. But what I learned, especially covering civil rights, was the truth is not neutral. The best obtainable version of the truth is not about neutrality. It's not about putting 50% of the story on one side and 50% on the other. When you get to the best obtainable version of the truth, you're deciding what is news. And so let's take your your veiled example there when you were talking about a certain (laughs) kind of of network or whatever. It's not the best obtainable version of the truth, what you see on Fox. It's ideologically driven. It's totally one-sided. It's not neutral, but it's also not news because they haven't done the work of the reporting. They have no interest in reporting. So you can see a straight line from what's in this book, this kid with the best seat in the country, covering civil rights, covering Jack Kennedy's inauguration in my first days at the paper. City editor said, go to the inaugural parade and go to Fourth and Pennsylvania Avenue, cover the crowd, call in. Uh, what you see, don't be fancy about it, don't try to write anything, give it to a rewrite man. So I had this amazing uh, opportunity. Who could imagine a 16-year-old kid? And I covered Kennedy's press conferences, or I went to them. Uh, I covered his assassination. I covered civil rights. I covered plane crashes, terrible events. And so it's all about this apprenticeship. So by the time of Watergate, and Woodward likes to tell the story because he was new in, in the business at the time, but, but I'd never seen a reporter quite like Woodward and his, his instincts and his drive. But at the same time, as Woodward said, hey, he, he had this experience of 12 years experience at the time of Watergate. We were 28 and 29 years old, but I had 12 years experience. And so the methodology that we used in Watergate is really what you see in this book about my apprenticeship at the Star, which was a better paper than the Washington Post was at the time I was there. Uh, Carl Bernstein chasing history, a kid in the newsroom. But, you know, there are more than just one network and different sides, if you will, of, of the divide. And that's where there is right now in this country. Uh, that 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 do uh, the other side, if you will, says this is a slanted opinion because of their way of doing it, and they're both news and so on and so forth. So my question for you is, how how do you view the current state 
of political, if not uh, investigative, journalism within that beltway, Carl Bernstein? Well, two aspects to the question. The first is, well, what, what is going on in the country? Well, I, you know, I, I think you probably heard me on the air saying for a number of years, we're in a cold civil war in this country. But then that cold civil war was ignited by Trump. So we're now in, in, in a past the point of ignition in this country in terms of its division, in terms of the uh, viciousness of the anger. But what about the reporting? What about the investigative reporting that you've, you've cited? I would say that the reporting and the investigative reporting on the Trump presidency is probably the greatest reporting by the largest number of news organizations covering the presidency of my lifetime. It, almost everything, and this may include books as well, uh, including Bob Woodward's book, including all kinds of work by reporters for news organizations, uh, including some that are considered to be the left and some are considered to be a little to the right, because the criminality and the Actually, now we know we had a, a seditious president of the United States. Sedition meaning someone who incites, uh, who actually incites insurrection. So I think that almost everything we know about the Trump presidency, it doesn't come from people in the Trump administration uh, telling us what really happened. It hasn't come from the Congress of the United States until very recently, where seeing some things through investigation. What we know about the Trump presidency, we really know from great reporting. You know, at the time of Watergate, we were out, we were myself, the Washington Post, we were out on a limb by ourselves for a number of months, and people didn't believe what we were writing in the paper through our own investigative reporting for months and months and months. In the Trump presidency, what these investigative reporters and people covering the White House have put into their reports on the air, in their newspapers, in their news organizations online, is the best obtainable version of the truth. And it's a remarkable, remarkable achievement. All right, let me finish with a piece of cotton candy then. Um, cotton, I, I, cotton candy is good. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, I, I, I am um, looking in the uh, index of your book, and I, I didn't see it either. There's no Dustin Hoffman in here. Um, no, so, uh, did you did you talk with him about your report, his portrayal, or did were you part of it in any way, shape, or form for the film? Sure. Okay. Sure. What was that like? Tell you about it. The first thing is this book, and it's told in the voice, chasing history in yes. the newsroom. It's told in the voice of kid, okay. not the old man looking back. Love it. But but when Dustin Hoffman and, and Robert Redford. Uh, came to play Woodward and me, they, they lived with us for like six months. I mean, not they didn't come back to our houses at, at night, but every day they spent with us practically. Uh, Dustin, he came, he came to the Passover Seder uh, <laughs> at, at, at home. We would walk around the city together. Uh, we really got to know each other well. And have Redford and Hoffman would ask us question after question after question. How did you do this? How, what, would the, what would your exact words be to each other? And, and the great director of the movie, Alan Pakula, followed uh, what we had said. The only reason we were willing to sell the rights to, to the book of all the president's men is, is if indeed 
a movie director and a producer was willing to stick to the absolute truth of what that book was and, and not fictionalize it. And, uh, and that's indeed what, what Alan Pakula, the great director, did. That's what Redford did. That's what Hoffman did. And one of the extraordinary things about all the presidents, man, and, and again, there's a straight line from this Chasing History book to, uh, to all the presidents, man, and the Watergate coverage is that the movie and the book, the movie especially of all the presidents, man, it's not about Woodward and me and our personal lives. There's no love story in it. You don't see any girlfriends. It's about the process of reporting and what a news organization does. And it's, again, I mean, one thing today in our journalism, there's an awful lot, too much going to Google, not getting out of the newsroom and thinking, oh, I can go to Google and learn all about what's online and learn people's biographies and everything about it if Google and Wikipedia are right and they're not always right. But Google and, and the Internet are fabulous reporting tools. But there are no substitute for what you see in that movie of all the president's men or what you read in Chasing History. It's all about going out and meeting people and respecting the people you're covering, even if they're, if you, even if they're lying to you. You know, usually people tell you what they, their, what is their truth. It might not be the truth, but it's your responsibility to then go to other sources and find out is what they think is their truth really the truth. And there are shades of gray all through this. That's what All the President's Men, the movie, is about. That's what Chasing History, the book, is. So you, it's really almost a, a prequel to All the President's Men because you see this 16-year-old kid, this 17-year-old, 18, 19, learning and learning and getting these opportunities uh, that you can, could not even imagine today. Uh, you know, one of the, the first week that I was at the paper, it's right before John Kennedy was elected, running against Richard Nixon. I was asked by, uh, by the head copy boy asked. I was told, go to Burning Tree Country Club. We've got a photographer out there taking pictures of President Eisenhower on the golf course. And I want you to bring back to the office his rolls of film. So I went out to Burning Tree Country Club. And I had a little identification card from the Washington Star, and I showed it to the, the chief caddy, and he took me right to this putting green. And 12 feet away from me, with this one Secret Service man nearby, was the President of the United States, Dwight Eisenhower, sinking putts. And, and I, you know, I was mesmerized. I looked at his hands, and, and I could see that you know, he had brown spots on his hands, and I made a little note in my notebook, and the photographer took the film out of his camera and gave it to me, and, and I left. And it was the first time I had ever seen a president of the United States. But imagine that at age 16. And a few weeks later, a week before the election, Jack Kennedy came to my high school in Silver Spring, Maryland. And the state editor said to me, well, Bernstein, you know, we've got our top political reporter covering this event because the election is going to be very close between Kennedy and Nixon, and Maryland could even decide the election. So our top political reporter is going to come to your high school, but why don't you go stay on the grounds and, again, cover the crowd, and you know the grounds there, and you know the community. And 12,000 people showed up for this rally. And so even in, in the first few weeks 
of my apprenticeship at the, at the Washington Star. And you can imagine some of my classmates looking bug-eyed at me as I'm sitting there with a reporter's notebook and right. running behind, behind the candidate for president of the United States. I mean, what, you know, what a, what a thing to be able to do. And looking back at it, it's this amazing life that, you know, that, that I've been lucky enough to have. Uh, but still, this occurring at that age is, you know, I'm kind of agape myself at the opportunity and what happened in those years from age 16 to 21. Well, congrats on the book, uh, Chasing History, Kid in the Newsroom. Greatly appreciate this chat. Love to have you on again, Carl Bernstein, and thank you for all your work. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's Carl Bernstein, everybody. Check out his book. Take care, Carl. There you go. That scene in All the President's Men after they screwed up. Remember he said on it earlier, like when they... They had a misattribution, and they had it to fix it. Jason Robarts as Ben Bradley. Remember that scene where he's outside his house? He's in his, he's in his um, bathrobe. Here's the quote. We're under a lot of pressure, you know, and you put us there. Said Ro- This is Robarts saying this. This is Ben Bradley. Quote, nothing's riding on this except the First Amendment to the Constitution, <laughs> freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters, but if you guys F up again, I'm going to get mad. <laughs> One of the best lines in all the presidents. Going to get mad. And he said, good night. And then they ran the story anyway. All right, let's take a break. Come up, finish uh, finish up this program. Set up uh, tomorrow's show when we come back right on the Rich Eisen Show. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Eight four four two zero four. Rich number to dial. Um, we've got uh, that was a fascinating conversation right there, uh, Brockman. We've got a new fantasy uh, name: uh, Seder with Hoffman, <laughs> <laughs> or is it Seder with Dustin or uh, Hoffman or Dustin Hoffman Seder? <laughs> That's probably what it is. Dustin Hoffman Seder. Yeah. All right. Mm. Passover with Dustin. <laughs> Dustin doesn't Dustin work. Hoffman, Hoffman Passover. Hoffman's I don't know. Hoffman Seder? 
Hoffman Seder, and you're just, it's a Dustin Hoffman as Carl Bernstein is the uh, is the avatar. <laughs> That's some good. Ones. We won't need we won't need to remember the context next August. We'll just remember that it was when Carl Bernstein came on the program and said uh, that he had a, a Seder with Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> you know, he didn't go to a Seder. Robert Redford. <laughs> no Seder for Woodward. That's another one. Put it right down there. That's uh, that's. By the way, that was the original. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm keeping. I'm I'm, I'm gonna stick with this. Don't one. stop. The original title of uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. <laughs> brother Brooklyn. No Seder for sir. Redford. <laughs> Call me Adam Yock, but I'm MCA. Well, I mean, the, the the Beastie Boys would know all about who has a Seder and who doesn't. They would. That's know. true. They, they would know. Yep, they would know. 1970. I'm gonna keep going here. <laughs> He's 45 years old. What? The movie? Yeah. Dude. It's unbelievable. It's great. I mean, the cojones they must have had at the time. Different time. Huh? It's a different time. It's the same time. You know, and even back then. No, it's not the same time. You notice he even said. Because they cared about getting it right. Yeah, but Chris, you notice that he even said even back then there were people that were like telling them they were wrong. Even though he went and did he, all the yes, look, but I mean, now, you, you now think, being right doesn't matter. Well, for for some, not all. For some, there are some people who they would do. prefer not to be lumped in with all of that. A very loud minority, I guess. Crazy times, bro. At Carl Bernstein, he's got a Twitter account. Could you imagine if these guys had Twitter accounts in nineteen seventy something? That's what I'm saying. Like somebody could have been tweeted out right in the palm of your hand. These guys don't know what they're talking about. Here's yeah, false. Here's the fake receipts. <laughs> I saw the receipts. I saw these receipts. What do you mean, follow the money? What do you mean that's a fake check? Because here's a check that's real, and it's not the... I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. You have Del Tufo trolling them. <laughs> Could have been. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, Carl Bernstein would have blocked Mike Del Tufo in two seconds flat. <laughs> blocked or muted? Both. Robert Redford was a handsome man. Jeez. Dude. My God. This guy. Yeah, right? Just looking at Robert yeah, Redford we... photos. <laughs> 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the Rich Eisen Show on Peacock. And we're back here on our terrestrial radio outfit. Uh, Ed Helms and Randall Park. True story right here on Peacock. You can hear, they hear extraordinary stories from everyday people and bring them to life with a star-studded cast for epic reenactments. Don't miss the Peacock original True Story streaming right now. Go to PeacockTV.com to sign up. Like it be oh, yeah, you see Riggle right good. there in the middle. I mean, that's the end of that, right? <laughs> What's going on below him? See Riggle. Riggle! I love Randall Park, man. He's low-key one of my favorite actors. Chris in Boston, you're right here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Chris? Hey, Rich. Long time, first time. I wanted to get back to what you guys were talking about, about the importance of beating the traffic yes, when sir. you're a kid, but okay. the score of the game changes when you leave. Okay. Uh, I was a Red Sox fan going to Fenway before we broke the curse, and this happened to us multiple times. So growing up, I became that guy that my friends would exile every time we had a close Patriots or Red Sox game and they were losing late. I had to watch the entire – or I didn't get to watch the second half of Super Bowl Forty Nine. They sent me in the basement, even with us tied at halftime for Patriots and Seahawks. So the only way I could tell how the game played out – was by everybody just cheering at the end. I tried to go up after the interception. They shoved me back down in the basement. With no was, television? I, That's amazing. No. I was I did my budget for my job in the year during the second half. I missed the entire second half of that game. Why? <laughs> because that was the superstition. They 
They were like, every why are you the guy? Me. Why couldn't you watch the, one of the most amazing moments? <laughs> was of... this his house? Am I missing this? Like, no, no, this was a buddy's house. So you could have okay, left. We broke the curse because I got to watch twenty-eight to three. So I'm free. It's okay. No, <laughs> well, so, so hold on a second. Wait a minute. This guy's amazing. You say, Chris, that you yep. agreed with your friends that you were such a mush <laughs> that you had to be banned from games in which the teams that you were collectively rooting for were down. And Look, and so and 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 the only way out of this prison was the Patriots coming back on the Falcons and you being present for that so therefore you're no longer the mush as viewed collectively by your friends. And you agreed to this whole <laughs> construct. Rich, I would rather have the win than watch the loss, 100%. But you missed the win. We still got the win. But they won. We still get to go to the parade. Chris. There's been a lot of parades. <laughs> I can't. I, this, this is one of the wildest stories we've heard in the seven, eight-plus eight on our eighth year, in but he got to see twenty-eight to three. That makes up for it. Nothing makes up for somebody shoving you in a basement, though. Twenty-eight to three. Nah. You know whose face I would love to see this story be told to by Chris is Belichick, where the, <laughs> his entire Hall of Fame career was not based on the talent amassed and his no. chess-like, no. you know, Queen's Gambit-like execution no. of the of the pieces on the board. It was whether Chris was locked in the basement or not. I have no explanation for what happened. Right, Chris? Absolutely. The entire world revolves around me, Rich. Everybody knows. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. There you go. Uh, I don't know. Will the show be better or worse now that Chris is gone? Should we kept him on hold for the rest of the show? (laughs) If we had held it, you know what I'm saying? If we held him in abeyance... Nobody puts baby in the corner, and nobody puts Chris in the basement. stand for that. Would you stand for that? You can't watch the rest of the game. you got to go downstairs and do your budget for the rest of the year. Well, yeah, I mean, know what you know about me. Do you think way, I would stand for that? <laughs> by the way, that game had lead changes galore. The second half of that game was nuts. Lead changes galore. It was nuts, yeah. Brady, I think, set a record that night for finding the, uh, the uh, most – the, the largest amount of different receivers for a touchdown that night in the history of the Super Bowl. I think he found four different guys in the end zone for that Super Bowl. If I recall, that, that was a record we were talking about after the game. When he found Edelman in the end zone that set a, set a record of four or five different guys scored a touchdown that night. Yeah. I didn't know and Chris then, was the inspiration for Parasite, <laughs> the movie. Yeah, you nope. got me on that one. Come on, guys. <laughs> guys locked in the basement. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jeez. Thanks, Jay. You laughed. You know what? That joke would have landed if Chris was on hold listening. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Missed so many of these great moments because his friends say you're the mush, and you're like, okay, I agree. They shoved him in the basement. <laughs> wow. He agreed, though. He's like, okay. You know what he should do? Right. You know what he should do? He should now be part of your fantasy draft. That's what <laughs> right. that sounds like. I think Chris is actually Jalen Ramsey friends. on Friday's program. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey of the Rams on Friday's program and more. We'll see you then. Back on Peacock in a sec.